Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading, joined as ever by my colleague and fellow editor, Kelsey Zeiser. Hello, Kelsey. Happy New Year, Phil. <laughs> this is our first podcast of the new year that we're recording, which is uh, fantastic. We have a good guest as well, somebody who uh, is in a line of business that uh, everyone likes right now. They're <laughs> home <laughs> Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, uh, we'll be joined by uh, 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 Nick Weaver, the CEO of Eero, actually. I've been pronouncing it all all kinds of ways, but it's E-E-R-O, and uh, this is the company that uh, they make these little, um, you know, home router gateway devices that provide connectivity throughout the house. And, you know, they were, um, uh, they, they honestly, they look like they were made by Apple. That's kind of how the, <laughs> how, how slick and everything the the routers look, but they were, um, this company was bought by Amazon. I think they announced it back in, uh, February, uh, of 2019. Um, and it was a, it was a pretty big acquisition. Um, and yeah, it looks like also 97 million. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it, it, it was, it was also sort of like at a, at a point in that company's life when it was, um, uh, you know, kind of having trouble scaling, having trouble, um, you know, getting any, getting beyond the plateau that it had kind of hit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, that's why I think it was, it's really interesting to kind of, um, get, uh, Nick's perspective on how things are different now, mm-hmm. um, where things are going in terms of scaling the company and how big it is. And then also just the idea of, um, you know, what's on the horizon, you know, whether 5G is a threat, um, what are some other kind of topics we've, we could hit on? Yeah. We also talked a little bit about, uh, what the relationship is like with, um, service providers and if they, um, you know, if that's a a good relationship or if they, they pose any issues to, um, um, just how easily, you know, consumers can use, um, Arrow's products. Um, and also talked a little bit about Wi-Fi six and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you had any thoughts on how things have changed since the pandemic and also stick around to hear his uh, uh, suggestions for what kind of music to listen to and drinks to have to get you <laughs> through lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had some lockdown suggestions from uh, uh, from Mr. Weaver. I, I think one of the things is, is that, that I was going for was like I, asking a question to kind of uh, uh, find out, you know, you know, just a, a little bit about someone's personality. And I was, uh, you give him a, 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 this or that question. And then he, he just, he answered with all three. He just, yeah. gave, <laughs> and so, so that's, a, a, a always appreciated when somebody, uh, uh, takes the time to do that. But, yeah. um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting with, um, with the consumer home, like, you know, which is now also the consumer business and the consumer school. Um, but how, home, you know, in-home connectivity is, is a much bigger deal, but also smart connectivity, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, being able to, um, make sure that each device gets exactly the bandwidth that it needs. Right. Um, traditionally telecom service providers have not been great at that. They've stepped up their game in a big way in the last couple of years. I mean, honestly, their timing on the service provider side couldn't have been more perfect, but companies like Eero or, or Arrow were, or, or yeah, Eero <laughs> were already pushing the boundaries of where that was going to go, you know, offering these like um, kind of 
packages of services that came with, um, you know, Wi-Fi connectivity. And yeah, and you're, you were right about the service provider question. It was like, you know, that at, in the early days, that was a bit of tension. Um, now it doesn't seem as much so, mm-hmm. but it's critically important that like consumer, you know, for consumers, because it's like, this is this extra bundle and bucket of services that you could sell to consumers if you, you know, A, provide connectivity really well and manage it correctly and B, are a trusted brand, mm-hmm. you know, that you you do all the things that a trusted brand will do. And it doesn't seem that hard anymore for a company like that now that they're an Amazon company because, you know, so many consumers use Amazon for right. all kinds of things. I don't even know all the things they do anymore, <laughs> um, but definitely, definitely the cloud and definitely like physical delivery items. That's right. That's those are two big ones. Yeah. Especially right now, since everyone's stuck at home. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a, you know, we're still, still in the throes of lockdown. We're recording this in January. So it's, it's still a, um, uh, s- still a big deal. And, uh, hopefully we have some, uh, you know, better news on the horizon, but, yeah. uh, but please do enjoy our, um, our interview and our chat with, uh, uh, Aero founder, uh, and, and CEO Nick Weaver. Okay, we want to welcome uh, Nick Weaver, CEO of Arrow, the uh, uh, router uh, company. I guess, it, do you call it, Nick, do you call it a router company? What, how do you describe Arrow? Yeah, we, uh, we normally focus on uh, whole, home, uh, whole home Wi-Fi um, versus okay. just a router. Given, you know, each, each of our units could be a home router, a wireless access point, or a full, you know, wireless mesh node. That's true. Yeah, it, it it it's a multi-purpose device, but uh, but the whole point is to provide um, great Wi-Fi and connectivity within the home. Exactly. Um, so, being uh, that you're plugged in, and I know Arrow is is definitely a um, you know a data-driven company in terms of uh, you know just how it how it rolls out features, how it rolls out updates, and everything. Um, so. While we've been in this pandemic, what kind of changes in uh, like network traffic patterns or even customer traffic patterns have you been able to observe? You know, I think we've we've been able to see a lot in terms of customer behavior, in terms of uh, purchase and activation of new networks. Um, but at least you know, for us, we take you know customer privacy really uh, seriously. So we don't do anything to track you know network traffic patterns or anything like that. So. I can't give you any insight there. Um, what I can say is, you know, the number of homes that are now running on Eero has grown, um, you know, tremendously over the last um, 12 months. And, you know, it's because our homes are now our offices, our, uh, our schools, um, and, uh, you know, shelters from the world. So just, you know, the amount of customers turning on Eero units and, um, you know, taking advantage of great whole home connectivity. I mean, we, uh, we've grown a ton over the last year. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, uh, so has the growth been um, more in terms of capacity, uh, in terms of houses connected or a little bit of both? A, a little bit of both. I mean, the primary driver has been, um, you know, just new households coming online. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you look at the typical um, home in the U.S., at least, um, 
you know, you're looking at a, call it a 2000 to 2500 square foot home. And the vast majority of our systems that we sell at retail are, are um, three unit systems. So, mm -hmm. you know, from that perspective, you're very well provisioned um, and have plenty of capacity for, um, you know, devices and coverage um, throughout the home. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been great to see. And then I think the, the other big thing is uh, we announced and started shipping our, our brand new generation of Eros um, at the end of uh, 2020, um, our new mm -hmm. Eero 6 and Eero Pro 6 um, that all take advantage of Wi-Fi 6, the latest Wi-Fi standard. And, uh, the, you know, just a ton of customers have been in upgrading to the latest standard and, you know, A, getting faster speeds with our Pro 6 system, but, um, you know, also making sure their, their networks are future-proofed and able to take advantage of, um, you know, all the new capabilities of Wi-Fi 6. Are your customers able to um, prioritize their network traffic at all? Say, uh, you know, especially with the pandemic, um, I imagine a parent would want to prioritize their Zoom call over <laughs> their kids playing Fortnite, or is that not really an issue with um, how the whole mesh system works? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, so we don't uh, provide kind of like a a classical uh, or a, a classic. Um, you know, select one, two, three devices and prioritize them. Um, and the reason we don't do that is frequently that's a, you know, moment in time. And so, uh, you know, somebody might prioritize one device and then four or five days later are, are confused why, you know, another device they're on isn't getting enough bandwidth. Um, so what we did was uh, we put in a, a feature that's called um, optimized for video conferencing and gaming. And uh, it's actually takes advantage of a um, technology called SQM, um, simple queue management. And what that does is it makes sure any given device isn't able to, you know, uh, monopolize all the bandwidth in the home. And it uh, fairly allocates bandwidth to all your different devices. And so we found that uh, by enabling that feature, you get the result of uh, making sure that, you know, one device doesn't... Uh, consume all the bandwidth in the home and everyone has a great experience. And then you don't have the, you know, the issues with, Hey, somebody set uh, one device to have priority, forgot about it. And then two weeks later is trying to figure out, you know, why another device in the home isn't working. Yeah. So it sounds like you kind of double as a family counselor for. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not put that much on him. I, I don't think you're... <laughs> Uh, we, kidding, we do, <laughs> we, we do have some parental controls that let, um, you know, parents, a filter out content, but also set time mm -hmm. limits and, um, yes. pause their kids devices. So, mm -hmm. you know, the number of emails or tweets, um, uh, even written letters I've gotten from parents of, uh, you know, uh, I now have control over the house and everybody shows up for dinner, um, cause they can, uh, you know, pause the internet. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable just to see how uh, parents have, have used all the capabilities of Eero to uh, better manage uh, their households. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a, a, a good thing, especially now, you know, when, uh, uh, you know, we're all, <laughs> we're all, uh, I guess, sharing a, 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 a scarce resource uh, that right. is bandwidth in the <laughs> home. Um, yeah, back to the Wi-Fi six thing, just to, just for a second. Um, do you, uh, uh, have, have you been able to, um, say anything publicly about like how much Wi-Fi six is out there or, um, you know, how, how much consumers are using that particular type of connectivity over, 
over anything else because we've been we've been both excited to see lots of Wi-Fi six you know getting out there, but we're also noticing that there really that there aren't too terribly many devices that um, that take advantage of it yet. Yeah, um, like with any wireless rollout, you kind of have the chicken and the the egg problem. Um, yeah, you yeah. need both. You know, the network to support Wi-Fi six, and then you need client devices um, to support Wi-Fi six. I think, you know, the good news is all the latest clients. So if you're buying a new phone or tablet or laptop, um, most of them are Wi-Fi six enabled. Um, mm-hmm. And then yeah, networks are starting um, to roll out. I think. You know, at least from our perspective, from the um, the data I've seen is, you know, that really started in earnest in um, the second half of 2020. And, you know, as we look into 2021, uh, we're going to see a continued shift to um, Wi-Fi 6 capable uh, networks, uh, which should help. And, you know, frankly, it, it's the high bandwidth devices that can really benefit the most from Wi-Fi yeah. 6. Um, and so, again, that's with, you know, phones, tablets, laptops. Those are the ones that are consuming the most bandwidth. And um, uh, if, if you're buying a, a new phone, uh, chances are, again, it'll have Wi-Fi 6 um, uh, enabled. Yeah. It's it's another thing about, like, the, the, you know, the people sharing devices in the pandemic. It's like it's such a it's such a uh, perfect technology for now because it it not only has that higher bandwidth, but it's also just better on the battery life generally for devices. And it's just like, you get that, you know, two in one kind of improvement. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's two key, you know, features. One's OFDMA, um, taking, you know, technology from, um, uh, from LTE and applying it, uh, to Wi-Fi, which allows, you know, um, the spectrum to get sliced up you know, by device, which makes things just much more efficient. And then, yeah, the, the target wait time um, technology for battery power devices, it'll be great to see that start rolling out more in mass for, you know, obviously phones and tablets and laptops, but also ultimately for, you know, other battery powered devices for, you know, the smart home and, and other applications. Yeah. And how is um, switching gears a little bit, how has things changed at Arrow since the Amazon acquisition? And um, has that, uh, you know, made life any easier for you as a CEO? Um, I, I, I get asked this question a lot. Um, uh, I don't think anything's been made easier. Things are definitely <laughs> different, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're still running a, a very fast growing business. And you know, there's lots of scaling challenges that um, the team's been tackling over the last, you know, call it year and a half, two years. Um, I think the the things that um, a- being at Amazon has really helped um, is just taking that global perspective. Um, we've been able to really, you know, quickly um, increase our global footprint um, and just taking advantage um, lots of, you know, other teams and expertise within Amazon to bring our products to more customers. So, uh, you know, a little over a year ago, holiday season 2019, we rolled out in, um, in Europe. Um, and then last year rolled out in Australia and Mexico. And we're continuing to, um, uh, you know, bring, bring Eero to more and more um, households around the globe this year. So um, I think that's been the biggest thing. And then I think for me personally, uh, there's just, it's been a great learning opportunity just to see, you know, what does it take to to um, 
not just build a business, but build a business that's, you know, meaningful to Amazon. It's just a different level of scale. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had an opportunity to learn from a lot of really great leaders over the last, you know, one and a half, two years. So how many, uh, how many countries are, uh, are, are you guys sending uh, product to now? I don't have the exact number off the top of my head. I think it's seven or eight. Okay. Um, so much, much bigger than, than just the U S alone. Okay. Yeah. And, um, when, when we were acquired, we were, um, shipping in us and Canada. Um, okay. so just, just, um, uh, you know, those, those two regions and, um, yeah, things have, things have grown, um, significantly since then. Kind of a management-y type of question. Um, do you do you think of yourself as a better uh, CEO or a better founder? Meaning, like, on the are you more entrepreneurially bent, or or do you you know are you more comfortable in the kind of uh, running things uh, mode? And I and I and I'm also um, willing to allow that in Amazon that might be all one thing because <laughs> it grows so fast. Well, I am. I think. Uh... You know, Amazon has a long history of uh, inventing new things um, mm-hmm. and um, really taking, you know, risks on great customer experiences. So, um, but, you, you know, you also have all the infrastructure that comes with being at Amazon to go do those things. Um, so, I don't, I, you know, in terms of founding things, um, you know, we've had infrastructure even at Eero for quite some time, um, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of looking back and, 2014 when we were, you know, three people in, in, uh, my, uh, my living room, um, when we started the company, uh, there's just those early, early, early days, they're just, they're really hard. And, um, there's a lot of ambiguity and, uh, uh, you're at a race against the clock, right? Like you have to find product market fit very, very, very quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. so that you can, a, you know, really solve problems for customers, but be um, also have access to capital. Um, so you can start, you know, scaling the company, the business, the product line, etc. Um, so, you know, I don't think I'm today, I, I think things are less focused on that those early, you know, founding days. Um, mm-hmm. It's much more on, you know, how do you scale the business, scale the team, scale operating principles. And I'd put that you know, much more on, you know, kind of the um, uh, CEO uh, end of the spectrum. Um, but, uh, you know, that being said, I, I think if, if there's a new opportunity that we're excited about, you know, beyond the scope of just Eero, uh, I think there's a lot of appetite to um, go invent new things for, uh, for customers. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it, it, it's an interesting, uh, it's just kind of an interesting perspective you have in terms of being a, uh, you know, as where you are in the life of a company, but also, you know, in a CEO and from somebody like myself who can't, can't even keep two cats under control <laughs> in my office. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm always marveling at how people manage large, large and growing enterprises. How it's, uh, I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> been a learning experience yes. and, and very humbling at times. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so we couldn't go a podcast without mentioning 5G. So Timothy, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Everybody drink. Uh, yeah, oh, everybody. Sorry. yeah. What about yeah? What about AI and and ML too? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Digital transformation. Um, so do you think uh, 5G has ever really been a threat to home Wi-Fi? 
Yeah, I, I really, I don't think so. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Wi-Fi is the most popular connectivity um, uh, technology on the planet. Uh, you know, when you look at devices in the home, it's like 99% of them um, connect over Wi-Fi. And, mm-hmm. and part of that is um, because there's no spectrum costs. It's an open spectrum um, and, uh, and and it's a standard. Um, so it's just, you know, the cost of connecting via Wi-Fi is, you know, call it a, a buck, two bucks. Um, when you factor in the, the silicon required, um, the antennas um, to, to do that. Um, and then when you look at 5G, yeah, it's just, it's extraordinarily expensive. You know, you're talking 10, 100 times more um, expensive than, than Wi-Fi um, because, A, you have much more expensive silicon, but then, you know, you also have um, spectrum uh, and uh, a lot of IP um, that you're, you're paying for for those chipsets. So, you know, when you, when you look at a home, I think 5G is going to play an increasingly um, larger role in providing mm-hmm. connectivity. But again, it's going to be an access technology, a WAN technology. How do you get connectivity to the home? And then mm-hmm. once you get connectivity to the home, then, um, you know, I think Wi-Fi, Ethernet uh, is going to um, take over um, as it has in the past. And it's just because yeah. it's ubiquitous and it's super, super, super cheap. Um, and uh, and it's a known, you know, known quantity. So. Mm-hmm. For, for, for devices that are going to stay in the home and not kind of leave your four walls, it just doesn't make sense to pay for something like 5G. Right. Especially yeah, I, when, um, you know, families like mine are squabbling over um, <laughs> how many streaming services we have. And someone accidentally increased our Netflix to premium. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, now oh. it's, what, 20 bucks a month. I know. Oh, no, yeah. I'm like, another $4. And you're like, hey... And that's a number you have to start paying attention to. Um, the, I, you know, but what you were saying about Wi-Fi, I guess the reason we brought that up anyway was because, you know, heading into CES, one of the just, you know, we always kind of mentally revisit our old tech narratives and where they came from and, you know, what's changed in the consumer landscape. And there really was like uh, early on a, a, uh, a, a, a set of like uh, white papers and stuff where people were talking about how great 5g is. And they were like, you know what? It's so great. You, you, you might not even need Wi-Fi. You'll just buy all your devices and they'll all be connected to 5g and off you go. I would just uh, ask who put together those, uh, those case studies. And, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> That's good. What are the incentives? <laughs> what are the incentives behind those case studies? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was definitely, uh, well, it, I mean, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll answer that question by saying, well, if we read them, then it was, it was probably the service provider market. <laughs> so there you go. Um, Hey, speaking of that market, um, when, uh, you know, how, do, how do you, manage around um, things like service providers kind of being uh, a bit more uh, prescriptive about what types of devices consumers can bring into the home. Um, I'm specifically referencing in this case, like with my experience with AT&T, you know, they have a, a, a modem and router combo that anything you bring in with like any kind of management capability, it just doesn't really work, um, at, you know, as well. And I was wondering if you think that, you know, that you might be able to partner with companies like that in the future or, you know, or is it still just going to be kind of a workaround situation? 
Yeah. Um, you know, one of the fastest growing segments of our business is working with service providers. So we provide them, you know, a, a really great turnkey in-home connectivity solution. So it's both, um, you know, the physical Eero hardware, it's the consumer app to help, you know, customers diagnose problems um, themselves and um, see the, you know, state of their network in real time. Um, and then it's a, a suite of services um, to A, uh, protect customer networks. So that's Eero Secure, which is a network-based, um, you know, home, home digital security solution. Um, and then it's also tools to help um, service providers manage, you know, large fleets of Eero networks and um, provide like the insights required for their customer service folks to um, solve problems um, if a customer calls in and is having problems with a device or with their network. Um, so, you know, that's been one way we've um, focused on solving that problem is just partnering with, uh, uh, with service providers uh, across the globe um, to go, you know, fix those problems. Um, and then, and then with, you know, uh, you mentioned AT&T, um, we, we've done a bunch of things on our end to make, you know, Eero devices work well with kind of the most popular, call it, you know, combo, um, modem router, um, boxes out there. Um, and so we've done things like NAT punching so that if you plug in an Eero and it's double natted behind another gateway, um, it'll map, you know, port forwarding rules between, you know, the Eero network and the, um, uh, and the combo box. And then we also have a ton of, you know, help center articles and we've got, you know, folks available, um, more or less around the clock to help people with, uh, you know, configuring their, um, uh, their ISP provided equipment. Um, we've got, you know, free support for all Eero customers. That's always been a, uh, really important uh, tenant of our of our product offering to um, consumers and they can always call in and, and get help um, making sure their uh, you know ISP provided devices configured properly yeah that's increasingly rare too because the the support customer support for consumer devices these days is not uh, uh, it, it, they either get to a point and they make you pay for it or you you get um, put into some choice of having to pony up for a membership or something, you know, some, there's always some sort of way to extract money <laughs> for the privilege. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, for us, um, what we found is customers who talk to our support team actually have a higher net promoter score um, than customers yeah. who, who haven't because um, they just, they get a, you know, a absolutely great experience um, and they know there's somebody they can call if they're having problems. So um, we've huh. done that since day one and you know, that's something we've invested a lot in scaling here over the last few years. Yeah. Excellent. So I wanted to wrap up with, uh, you know, a really hardball question for you. Um, do you, yeah. So, you know, hold on to your hats. Uh, do you have a good album cocktail or comfort food suggestion for those of us in pandemic <laughs> lockdown? That's right. Yeah. What's keeping you, what's keeping you sane these days? <laughs> well, outside of that, I, um, uh, I love riding my, uh, my bike. So, you know, last year I rode like 5,000 miles, uh, that just kept my, um, my head on straight, like getting nice. in an hour or two most days, um, just helped a ton and without commuting and, and travel, uh, I had some, some free time to do that. I think on the album cocktail comfort food front, um, 
I, I've been kind of getting back to basics and going kind of really uh, back in the uh, the album collection to like you know things like uh, Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd and and mm-hmm. kind of back to the era when listening to an album was a thing, not just listening to a single or a you know a playlist on Spotify. Yeah, and yeah. and seeing how everything kind of flows. So um, uh, I think I've I've gone through the entire um you know led zeppelin and pink floyd collection here and um i'm just going to continue to go through kind of like my old itunes uh favorites and then on the comfort food cocktail front we've been doing like a lot of you know sunday night we'll basically plan out meals for the week uh just so we have something to look forward to and um, (laughs) (laughs) and and a big part of that is picking like i like to you know pick out you know what's that one awesome you know bottle of pinot that uh, we're going to open and we got to figure out, you know, what night we're going to uh, uh, put that to good use. So oh, that's, that's been fantastic. my tip. Yeah. Open some Pinot and watch, uh, what is it? Sideways? Yeah. Uh, the- yeah that's, <laughs> a, that's a good one. Uh, recently it's been, you know, uh, I think the last thing we watched was the uh, Queen's Gambit. Um, that All was, right. Yeah. That was great on Netflix. You can use, uh, if you need somebody who has that advanced Netflix subscription, Kelsey, uh, Kelsey can hook you up there. Yeah. So, I, I think, I think we're paying for it too. Canceled it. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Yeah. See, I, I just, I, I have, um, uh, the same good intentions, you know, uh, planning ahead, you know, getting a, a good bottle of, of something or other and having it ready and thinking like, oh yeah, this would be great for Sunday or whatever. And then I just watch the news and I'm like, hell, I'm drinking it all. Never mind, <laughs> you know, but, uh, I uh, normally do, uh, normally do dry January. That's been uh, a little bit more challenging this year. Yeah. Yeah. A lot going yeah. on. Yes, indeed. But, uh, yeah, but we've, uh, uh, but, but, uh, hopefully we will, uh, uh, uh we definitely have, uh, brighter days ahead and, uh, and, uh, but Hey, thanks for, uh, for being on the podcast. Thanks for, uh, for your, your, company keeping so many people connected because this is a, a good time to be connected and uh yeah again thanks for for being on the light reading podcast thanks for having me That's it. That's our show for today. Thanks to our amazing producer, Tian Fu, for all his hard work editing the podcast. And also a big thanks to our listeners for tuning in and sharing the podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you have any ideas about a future podcast topic or a potential guest for the show, please email us at editors at lightreading.com. Please also tell a friend to subscribe and thanks for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. We'll see you next time.